0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Broken Record Podcast. I have two weirdos here with me today, but they're successful weirdos, so (laughs) they're allowed to be weirdos. I'm your favorite client, is that what you were going to say? Loki. Yes, I know. I just wanted you to say that. (laughs) Wait, 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 when you say barked, you mean Asper, barked? (laughs) Woof, woof. Wait, 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 do you just say boo? (laughs) I do. Welcome to the second season of the Broken Record Podcast. Let's have a good time. Hey, everyone. How's everyone doing this week? I hope everyone's week is going well. It's Thursday today. So the weekend is nearly here. A good time to rest, I guess, um, for some of us and um, catch up on some much needed sleep. But for now, I do bring you another episode of the Broken Record podcast. And I do have to say I have the most special guest coming on this week. And when I say the most special guest ever, I mean ever. My nan, my grandmother, is coming on the Broken Record podcast to share a lot of her life stories with you that um, I've had the privilege of being able to hear about all throughout my life. And um, she turns 90 in a month's time. Uh, Trust me, you cannot beat her at a game of Scrabble. And um, yeah, she's just an all-round amazing person who has lived an amazing life so i do hope you enjoy this week's episode okay um i'm gonna shut up now let's dial in my nan and uh yeah get the convo going hey nan how are you doing today
1: I am all right, darling. It's very, very cold, though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a good thing I left then before, um, before the snow started and the temperatures dropped. Absolutely, yes, yes. Wow. Nan, um, firstly, thank you so much for agreeing to come on my podcast today. Um, I was saying at the start that you've had such amazing experiences throughout your life. Um, experiences that I want other people to also hear about. You know, these are stories that I grew oh, up yeah. having the privilege to hear. <laughs> yeah, and um, all right. Well, you yeah. ask me
1: the questions and I'll see if I've got the answers.
0: I sure will, Nan. I sure will. So, firstly, um, you're turning 90. In a month's time, how does it feel to have lived through nine decades of life?
1: Well, yes, it will be on the thirteenth of March. <laughs> Oddly enough, I, I don't um, I don't feel it. I just uh, keep going, and I don't think about my age. I've just had to keep going because there's always been a lot to do and people to see, and it's uh, you know the time has just passed
0: that um that is amazing and you are someone that does keep going um, you retired very late on in life you keep busy every single day yes. you make sure you go on your walk
1: oh yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you recently got vaccinated against covid nineteen how how does it feel
1: um what being confined, you mean?
0: No, being vaccinated. Well, that's exactly <laughs> how
1: it feels. It's confinement, you know, confined to barracks. We have to, um, we have to just deal with it as best we can.
0: I'm not sure if you heard me properly, Vonan. I, w- I was asking, how does it feel now being vaccinated against COVID-19?
1: Oh, I see. Well, I uh, yes, it's true. But they, <clears throat> what is worrying is that they're saying that. Even when you've been vaccinated, you can still pass it on uh, because it can cling to your clothes and uh, uh, things like that, you see. So it's worrying when you're with other people. You don't want to pass it on. And if they want to give you a hug or something, you think, oh, no.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it must also be a relief for you, you know, having had to live through a whole year in fear to finally yeah. know that you're, you're safe against the virus.
1: Yes, it's a big relief, actually, that uh, they've had it done. Um, now on the news, they're talking about, well, is it really um, a good enough, a strong enough um, vaccine? Uh, well, we just hope it is. Yeah, But everything is so uncertain, you see, and it's all very, very worrying.
0: It is worrying. But, uh,
1: we have to do our best to keep going.
0: <laughs> we sure do, Nan, we sure do. And that's something that um, you've done all throughout your life. And I know that you recently mentioned to me um, while I was in the UK that after World War II, you never thought that you were going to see death like this again on this scale. Um no. What what is that like for you living through a pa- th- through a pandemic, which um, you haven't lived through before?
1: No, of course not. No, the um, the thing is that they they uh, keep showing films of the last war you see now and um, <clears throat> about the concentration camps and things like. That. Just it's very disturbing. They, it, it, they were in Germany, it's true, and France, but. Um, we saw it at the time and it was all very very frightening yeah but um, we don't expect that thing to happen again because people have matured and you just don't do that sort of thing um, yeah. so we just um, we, we just go along with everything and just hope for the best especially for our children and grandchildren Aww. Um, I am- because I hope it will be a good world for them but just don't know darlings and I just I just hope.
0: Um, and um, the prayer, Nan.
1: Well, I I started work when I was sixteen, mm. in uh, in London in Fleet Street, <clears throat> which is at that time was where all the newspapers were published. But I was working in a company that did advertising uh, for different journals and so on, and also for the Royal Opera House, uh, for which was which was rather nice because we used to get. Free tickets, and so that was how I became became so fond of opera. It was an inspiration um, to me, and I met also I met several well-known singers um, when I used to take programmes that we'd printed with all the advertisements in up to the stage door of the opera house and hand them in. It was fascinating.
0: So I I do want us to speak about your experiences during the war. Um I think we should start off with your childhood. So tell us Nan, you were born in Beckenham, Kent, England. What was your childhood like?
1: Um during the war um when it started in uh, 39 1939 I was 8 years old.
0: Um so you. Um, which, so the war started when you were eight years old.
1: Yes, it started in um, in nineteen thirty
0: nine. Yeah. Um,
1: and when I was eight years old, and um, it, it was in, uh, but it was raging on in Europe. And uh, <clears throat> what we knew was that um, the bombers then started to bomb us and. I lived in Beckenham which was on the edge of London and every night these bombers would come over with their awful bombs and just drop them and the explosions would happen the windows would come out of the, of the rooms and um, the roof tiles would come off and of course some, some houses uh, uh, were actually, actually smashed to pieces now um, during the war I used to, um, for my own pocket money, I used to deliver newspapers. And um, (laughs) and in mornings, these bombers would be coming back from their trip in London and then dropping all their old bombs everywhere that they hadn't discarded in London. Wow. And um, people would be saying to me, um, Oh, for goodness sakes, come inside, come inside. And I would say, No, I've got to get to school. (laughs) Because it was six o'clock in the morning when I used to go out and do, deliver the newspapers. Wow.
0: Um,
1: and uh, I, I was, I mean, I just had to do it. It was, it was how we did things. And, uh, and it, how I earned my pocket money.
0: And what did you buy um, with your pocket money,
1: Nan? <laughs> which wasn't very much. It was about two shillings a week I got, I think. But it was pocket money. My parents uh, couldn't afford to pay me pocket money. Um, uh so that was, during the war, it was horrendous. We had air raid shelters built in our garden. Um, one was built far too near the house, and we used to have to go inside there when the sirens went off and sit in there because there was water about three feet deep <laughs> underneath the bunk. Wow. And, um it was, uh, it was a very uncomfortable place. Eventually, they came and put another one at the bottom of the garden. But while we were in there, we, we could see our mother cooking in the kitchen. And uh, we used to say, "Mum, come inside, come inside, come in the shelter. And she'd say, No, let me just finish. I'm coming, I'm coming. And she wouldn't come. She would just finish her cooking, uh, cooking our meals, you know. It was really uh, she was really magnificent, my mother, because my father was not the best of men, and she had an awful time with him. We all did. <laughs> um, and he wasn't he wasn't called up into the army. My father, um, he joined what he what was known as the war reserve police, and he became um, also a nightly air raid warden. That means he walked the streets when the air raids were on, to see what was happening and helping people. Oh, wow. Um, People trapped in rubble. He had to pull out and things like that. Really terrible experience. But we didn't see very much of him. And um, one night, he he came home after an air raid and stood in the doorway of the sitting room um, where we were sheltering under the table. And he was covered in dust and blood and he'd been at the local bus garage at Elmer's End, which was just down the road, which had been hit by a bomb. And 25 people had been killed that night, mostly women, because mm-hmm. they were driving the buses in those days. and Or, or they were conductors. And um, uh, my father had been pulling the dead and injured out of the rubble. And two of them were neighbors of ours and we were all completely horrified by this event, and I can still remember seeing my father as he appeared in the doorway, shocked and speechless. Oh, anyway, wow. um, the, in 1944, the Germans were determined to continue their raids on London, and uh, so they decided to evacuate as many children as possible from the area. And we were all escorted with a bit of luggage, by our mothers to Marylebone Station in London. And with quick farewells to our mothers, who stood in tears on the platform, my brother Raymond, my younger sister Miriam, um, and I had to board the train, which left the station quickly and took us to Doncaster in Yorkshire. It was a long way from home.
0: How long were you there? arrival
1: in Doncaster.
0: What, darling? How long were you up in Yorkshire for?
1: Well, it was a long way from home and on arrival in Doncaster, we were all lined up and the local people came and selected the ones they wanted, the children they wanted uh, to accommodate and it was an ordeal. My younger sister was quickly selected, but my brother and I were amongst the last to be taken and my brother went with a family who lived near a canal in Doncaster and I was taken... um, Fortunately, with my friend, Jean, who came with us, to Asken. It was a, a mining village a few miles from Doncaster. And the family consisted of elderly parents and a daughter who was 25 and worked in a small shop in the village. And just behind the village was a mountain of coal dust. And standing along the roads were men who were unable to continue working in the mines because of the damaged lungs they had from the coal dust. It was awfully sad. Wow. Anyway, um, uh, the small cottage we were taken to had two bedrooms and my friend and I had to share a bed with the daughter of the house and um, then the daughter made it obvious she did not enjoy our company (laughs) and um, but they were paid for £10 a week for our care. But on Fridays, the, the parents in this place used to go to the nearest pub, which was about a mile away, and they always returned home drunk at night. We'd never seen drunk people before. Um, whilst they were away, my friend and I went to find food, and we were hungry um, because the meals were not regular. And we went to the fish and chip shop where we were molested literally by young men and boys who stroked our hair while we were in this queue um, as we carried our food out of the shop and they shouted innuendos, which at the time we did not understand, we were too young. But the school we had to attend was, uh, was basic, very poor teaching, and we were very much ahead of the rest of the class due to our excellent school in Beckenham in Kent, where we came from. But sadly, my brother was taken all the way back to Beckenham by ambulance, as it had been discovered that he had tuberculosis due to the time he spent perpetually in the canal near the house in Doncaster where he lived. Eventually, he lost one lung and as a result of this, which affected him for the rest of his life, and from which he died eventually in his fifties. Uh, my mother was horrified by my, my brother's illness and came up to Doncaster and um, told my friend and I to go and pack our belongings, and she took us straight back to Beckenham, in spite of the bombings that were going on. My younger sister stayed with the people she was with, because they were good, and they really cared for her, and she was there um, for another three months, but she came back at Christmas, as I remember, of that war. But the war continued, but the bombing eased off after the invasion of France, and the Germans concentrated most of their bombing on the troops in in the invaded areas whilst evacuating themselves to safer places. Mm. And it was during this time that um, newsreels newsreels on the the cinema showed films of the concentration camps run by the Germans and their allies, dead bodies, starving inmates, and the gas chambers where so many innocent women and children died, can the German people ever compensate for this outrage? I mean, I think this today. Yeah. Even today, there are Nazis active in Germany with some support. But throughout history, there have been massacres and extreme cruelties in the world. But we're living in this modern age where such inhumanity should not occur. Uh, We were very young then. But the film remains with us as reminders of the horrors of war.
0: My goodness, Unfortunately, Nan.
1: the ambitions for power and wealth continue to spread discord throughout the world, and I worry and I fear for my children and my grandchildren.
0: Well, it's, um, it's difficult, Nan. We're living in horrible times, and all throughout your life you've had to experience um, different horrendous events um in the world world war Two mm-hmm. being up there at the top of the list you know and um yes. to, to live through that is to live through that is something that scars you for the rest of your life you know um yeah, of course it, it must yes. have been the biggest relief when it was announced that the war was over
1: oh it was a tremendous relief um especially for my mother um, um they 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 really were delighted that it was all over. But uh, what happened was, we we were still being rationed. <laughs> wow. Our food was rationed for about another five years because there was so little. Uh, the farmers hadn't been able to grow their crops because they were busy fighting. Things like that, you know.
0: Wow! Wow! Anyway, when um, I
1: um, when I got to uh, sixteen, I um, I got um, I'd, I'd been I'd got a job. Uh, working in an office in Fleet Street, um, uh, with uh, it was putting advertisements, uh, advertisements in the newspapers, and um, um, I was working with a, another girl who was French, uh, Well, her mother was French, but her father was English, I think. But her mother invited us both to Paris. <laughs> And uh, I was unable to afford to travel, so but they very kindly paid for the trip for me. It was, it was thrilling to see another country and way of life. And wow. I was determined to see more of the world. And in 1954, I applied to the foreign office and was granted an interview. And to my delight, they offered me a job. And I was informed I would be flown to Kano in Nigeria um, to work with the police. Um, which was still at that time being run by the British. It was the <clears throat> following year that independence came, I think. It's was, it was in 1960, independence. But I didn't know where Kano was. And my mother and I looked in the map and found that it was in northern Nigeria. And she said, You can't go there. It's in the middle of the desert. <laughs> it appeared very exciting to me. And subsequently, I was told I would be I've flown to Kano. To work in Kaduna, which at that time was the capital of the North, um, in the police office, and uh, I flew to Kano, stayed for a few days, seeing this great city and its people, and the camel trains coming in from the desert with supplies. And I was then flown to Kaduna in a small plane, and on arrival at the airport, was met by a member of the police. Nan. Um, Oh, yes, the person who was leaving the job that I was going to take home was going to marry and go to India. And she showed me all the cabinets and things in the office and gave me information about the work. And beforehand, I'd been taken to my flat in a block occupied by government workers. And I thought it was excellent, a dining room, sitting room kitchen and two bedrooms and a balcony with a view of the road and nearby forest it was wonderful anyway um i used to go to work each day from 9 a.m to 2 p.m it was with the police nan Mm -hmm. can you hear me and uh, yes i can hear you
0: so sorry nan i just wanted to am i talking too
1: much oh no not at
0: all not at all this is what you're here for (laughs) this is exactly what you're here for i just wanted to ask um how how old were you when you moved to nigeria
1: I was 20, 20, 22 and a half, something ah, like that. Okay. And anyway, um, um, it was very interesting work, uh, and it was all about the political activities going on, because independence was coming up, you see. I Anyway, I found time to spare as well, because I finished work at two, and, I, and in the afternoons, I worked at a... I went to a Catholic school, uh, a residence for orphan children, and it was up a hill in Kaduna, and um, I'd recently bought my first car second-hand, and I drove it to the school, and one day I picked up a lost dog that I recognized belonged um, to the school. It, 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 jumped, it, it jumped on my Feet as I drove up the hill, and as I tried to remove the dog, the car swerved down a bank on the side of the hill. Oh my goodness! Unfortunately, hit a tree, and I climbed out unhurt and walked up to the school with the dog. Uh, the car was ruined, so I was without personal transport for the rest of the tour. Wow! Um. There was a recreation club within walking distance of my flat, which was um, the the local, um, uh, what would you call it? It's where everybody went in the afternoons for a drink or something. And I didn't drink alcohol anyway. Um, uh, And sometimes in the afternoons I could go there to swim. And I also joined the local church choir. But without a car, it was difficult to get to the rehearsals Although well, on Sundays I was uh, collected by different members of the choir. And at the end of my two year contract, which included a final month in Kano, to set up a, um, uh, an office there, mm. I returned to the U- United Kingdom for three months. And um, then the, the colonial office offered me a post in Ibadan, in the south, you see. And I accepted. I wanted to see the rest of Nigeria.
0: Sorry, Nan, before before we bring it down south and we talk about um, your life in Ibadan and growing up, not growing up, sorry, and living in Ibadan. um, I just wanted to ask what. So how would you how would you describe or summarize living in northern Nigeria? Sorry, how would you describe or summarize living in northern Nigeria in the 50s? Well, I
1: enjoyed it. It was it was pleasant. You know, nice accommodation very well looked after, the people all very very nice. Um, I never had any problems, and it it, uh, it was just a pleasant place to be.
0: Nice. But
1: I, as I say, I also wanted to see the rest of Nigeria, and um, so um, I I then renewed my contract and returned by boat from Liverpool. It was an enjoyable journey, stopping at Sierra Leone. <laughs> And then Lagos, and, and at, at Lagos, I was met by a member of the police and driven directly to Abaddon. And then I got to Abaddon, you see. And um, again, I had a personal flat, and I started working, work immediately. Um, uh, London University was then responsible for running at the university. It had an arts theater and another um, large theater. And students and staff were housed um, on the campus in Abaddon, which was very orderly, very well kept. And um, the wife of the chief of the Abaddon University College Hospital was a musician. And she um, formed and conducted an orchestra composed of lecturers, students and other musicians producing many well-known operas and music, um, musicals. And that's where I first met um, Femi, my husband. My granddad. <laughs> to at a party <laughs> taking place in the flat above me, to which I'd been invited. Um, or oh, I was told if I didn't come, I would have to suffer all the noise. Anyway, that's where I met Sammy. He was introduced to me, and he asked me what I would like to drink. I asked for a sherry because sherry was the only name I knew of alcohol, <laughs> which he duly supplied. And then he told me about the Operatic Society at the university, which he belonged to. So I was very interested, and, and he offered to take me to the next rehearsal. He did, and I joined the society, knowing that even without a car, I would be able to attend. Femi had a flat in Lebanon Street in Ibadan, where I um, attended his parties. We became, in inverted commas, a couple. His brother Tunde was there from time to time and met um, Auntie Titi, whom he later married. And I remember watching him carry Titi in his arms down a long, long. Um, step matter <laughs> outside of the um, it was outside the house and I was just hoping he wouldn't drop her <laughs> anyway <laughs> then he sometimes collected me from the office where um, presumably he became no, um, noticed um, and uh, I was told I had to move to Lagos because they didn't approve of me um being in touch with um, Femi.
0: Was this, obviously, I'm guessing this was because um, he was Nigerian and this was a race issue. That's it. Mm.
1: Yes, and I was working with the police, you see. Mm. And I was told to, I was going to move to Lagos for the remainder of my tour. But I was given a flat in Lagos um, and I was put on ordinary um, office work. Um Femi's father, he was a much respected member of the police in Lagos. He had fought for the British in in, in the war in Africa and um, uh, in East Africa, that was, I think. Yes. And um, he worked, but he worked now in Lagos, um, I think, with the police. And he um, and so I got to know him. I was very fond of him, indeed. He was a very nice person. Yeah. And um, But in Lagos, Femi took me to a jewelry shop and bought an engagement ring.
0: Ooh!
1: <laughs> and it cost 15 pounds, which was a reasonable amount in those days. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, so um, after that, my term finished, we, we traveled to the UK together and went directly... To the house of my parents, who were expecting us, and they made a great fuss of us and made family feel welcome. My mother was especially fond of him, and they joked uh, constantly together. Um, my mother had a great sense of humour.
0: Can I ask, though, Nan? Um, because I mean, yes. interracial couples were still very rare back then, and it must have exactly. taken a huge mental toll on yes. both you and Grandad.
1: Well, they, they, it was very unusual. I'm just going to say our neighbours were curious and we noticed um, curtains being pulled aside to view us as we passed by. My goodness. And especially on our wedding day, on the 20th of December 1959, in the local church in Beckenham, uh, Burtbeck Road. And um, then we went to a dining rooms in Beckenham for for our. After marriage meal. And it was just a lovely wedding and it ended with music and dancing. And Femi and I returned to my parents' house, collected our suitcases, and left on honeymoon to go to the Hotel in Regent Street. Up lovely. In London.
0: Lovely. So we
1: spent an evening dancing for a time. Anyway, during the next few days um, we spent in London, we were. As a couple, a curiosity, with people turning to stare at as we walked along, hand in hand, arm in arm. We didn't have this problem in Ibadan, where well, our best friends were Michael and Lena Olumide. Michael was Nigerian, working with the NBC, and um, um, Lena, his wife, was British and was a nurse at the University College. And they had two children, Dapo and Josephine. Dapple is still there. I think he works for the Air Force there in Nigeria. Um, and they were both in the Operatic Society. Uh, Michael had a very nice tenor voice and um, uh, was given many leading parts. They were very good friends of ours. And then, um, what else can I tell you? Oh, Femi's sister. Femi's sister, Abimola. Uh, she spent a lot of time on her holidays with my parents, um, when she was, um, uh, when she arrived in the United Kingdom, she studied in Bristol, and um, apparently the neighbors found it amusing to see her carry her washing on her head to have on the line in the garden, and my mother told them to mind their own business.
0: Damn right. And
1: we were told that in Early 1962, my mother had only a short while to live, as she had been diagnosed with breast cancer. I returned to the United Kingdom to be with her, taking Diana and David with me. Caroline hadn't been born. Diana was two, and David was six, and
0: um, six months. he just is.
1: recovered from meningitis uh, when he was three months old. Well, it's not mm. yes, it some year and a half ago. And we all used one bedroom together. Um, my father and my brother were both working at um, at the time, and so I tended my mother and the children during the day, worrying about her each time I had to leave the house with the children to, for food. My sister, my older sister, I with her three children, and uh, my youngest sister, Miriam, with three children, the present on the day she died uh, so horribly, uh, she actually choked to death from fluid in the lungs. My brother was going to help at the time. He later organized her funeral, which was held in the small church in Bangham. And the family was unable to attend because of some cost of airfares. But eventually he did join us when we spent a fortnight in Spain on the coast for a holiday. So we returned to Nigeria together and resolved to sort out our own work problems. And Femi had been employed by the Law Union and Rock Insurance Company, which was about to close down in Nigeria, uh, or the Baden branch was. um, And um, it was in Barclays Bank building. And um, what happened then? Um, Oh, I'd been working for a small firm of architects in the same building. We were also about to close down, and uh, I found work with the IITA, you may know it, the International Institute of Tropical Agriculture in Abaddon.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and uh, it was very, very nice. Um, neither Femi nor I wanted to work in Lagos, because all our friends and operatic events were in Ibadan so we decided to start our own insurance business. Broking company, Semi Johnson and Co. in Barclays Bank Building. That was started off in the Barclays Bank Building, and uh, although I had to resign from IITA, they they agreed that Semi Johnson and Co., our new company, should be their insurance brokers, and they still are today. So Nan, American company. So
0: you you essentially brought in your first client for the insurance company when you and Grandad first started FJC. Yeah,
1: that was it. He they were the first clients we had, and you know, American big company. Amazing. They still are. You see, as far as I know, they still are. Um, (laughs) Yes, I believe they still are today. Yes,
0: that's amazing. Anyway, the
1: business went well, and. um, I used to work in the office till four. When I used to collect the children from school, and I also ran a small acting group there, um, who performed children's plays and pantomimes at Christmas. Lovely. And um, uh, Femi used to get home every evening at approximately half past seven, and dinner was usually around eight thirty. And any guests we had, um, arrived for dinner at that time, um, including. <coughs> wally Shoinka, the nobel prize winner
0: i was going to say though so what what did regular activities in the johnson household look like once you'd had my mum, uncle dave and auntie caroline
1: it is yeah oh, you see we had the swimming pool and of course or oh, you know any neighbors with children will be there it would be great fun they always had lovely time in the garden Sometimes we would go to the club where the children's sector, they were allowed to have a swim and things like that, but it was much nicer at home, because um, they had their friends there, and they just um, enjoyed themselves, generally. They they went to a nice school um, in Ibadan, of course, and... um, they had a really good time until they went, until they got to eleven year olds, and they went to that American school. I can't remember the name of it now, but it's it's on the university campus. ISI, ISI, ISI. Yes, yeah. that's it. But then we found out things that some strange things were going on there, and that's why we brought them to school over here um, in England. Uh, where David had a very rough time, not his fault, and um, we had to bring him back to Nigeria because he was so unhappy. And um, you know, it, it was it was sad. But the two girls were all right; they did very well um, at Cheltenham, especially Cara with the, all her acting, you see, yeah. and uh, things like that. Uh, I used to go and watch and I tried my best to support them. I used to go and collect them. It was a long way to drive all the way from London. But Um, their holidays, we used to bring them either back to London, perhaps for the short holidays, but back to Nigeria for the long holidays. Yeah. And that
0: was how it was,
1: you know. Um, Yeah.
0: And then take the odd holiday here and there once and again. What darling? I said. And then I'm guessing also take the odd holiday here and again. Um, you did a euro. You did a euro trip once. You granddad, my mum, Uncle oh, Dave yes, and Auntie Caroline. I still have oh, the footage. Yes, we did. We did.
1: Yes, we went all over Europe. Yes, we did. It was lovely. Yeah. Um, and we toured um, France, part of Germany, Italy. We loved. And um, we went to Venice um oh no it was it was absolutely lovely we yeah. you know we did travel a lot as much as we could when we had the time <laughs> yeah you yeah. see when if you're running a business you've got to keep an eye on it and you know but it was it was great yes um and then we came back to cairo and we had a um we went down the nile on a boat that was nice lovely um, yes, we did as much as we could, you know. But with the three children growing up and going into their different professions and things, you know, um, it 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 wasn't quite the same because we couldn't all go together and things like that. You know, it, yeah. uh, everything changed a lot.
0: So let me ask you, Nan, um, what yes, um, you then once Auntie Caroline, Uncle Dave, and my mum were all settled, etc. You. And um, this is also after or when you and granddad separated at first. You moved back to the UK and you decided to go back to school. You went to uni.
1: Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Um, to London University. Yes, um, I got an English degree. Yes, Amazing. Um, I just wanted to do it. <laughs> Amazing. And the children were all in their own schools and things, and uh, no, it was fine. I enjoyed it, actually.
0: Wait, Nan, I'm confused. I thought I thought you I thought you went to SOAS and you studied African studies.
1: Yes, I did go to SOAS. Yes, well, it's part of London University. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, SOAS, the School of Oriental and African Studies, but it's all part of well, it was, it was London University. Yes. But I wanted to go there. I wanted to do Africa and everything, you know, it was really great.
0: Amazing, Nan. And then, then came your grandchildren. (laughs) Um, And my fondest memories are coming up to London every Christmas. Um, Your amazing, amazing lamb roasts that we just couldn't get enough of. Um, Did you always like cooking?
1: Always what, darling? Did you
0: always enjoy cooking? You always like Christmas. No, cooking, but Christmas yes, too of yeah. Of
1: course. And you see, I, I just loved having you. It was really wonderful. And just to be able to see you all and just just be with you. Um,
0: and Nan, um, how would you how would you describe your your later years in life, let's say the past 20 years or so of life. I remember your 70th birthday at um, Halepi, the Greek restaurant in London. It feels like yesterday. (laughs) But how would you describe your later years? Well,
1: it's, um, you see, um, I'm still working, but um, it was... uh, it, it was pleasant enough because i always had family around at some point you know and uh, i wasn't on my own and uh, that's what i i miss really that the fam- seeing the family all together and as much as possible and um it, it's um, it's a funny experience really when you've been used to having your family around and then suddenly oh, well everybody's not so gone but they've all married and got their own lives and you don't want to interfere with them or interrupt them but um, it becomes lonely so you um, you look to do other things and I did that I I, I did that degree yes but um, I also uh, what else did I do I can't remember Um, because David was there for some time Mm -hmm. I know he was. He had a room in the, in the house and everything. And his friends used to come, Shay and people like that. Um, uh, it, was, um, it, it was. It was. was. There was always. Actually, there was always a lot to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't really lonely in those years. But um, when everybody got married then they had their own lives to live, and I didn't want to worry them or anything like that. And I was happy for them as long as they were happy, you know. Yeah. So I know. Nan, and I didn't... wanted,
0: I wanted to ask you. So, what do you when you look at when you look at the younger generation now? And by younger generation, I'm talking my generation. What? Yeah. What do you want for us? Um. Well, one <laughs> well, am
1: about the future. There's this climate change. There are all sorts of horrible things that have been and have been happening. I'm hoping that there will be a worldwide decision to take steps on this climate change thing because you're getting South America not agreeing to do anything. They've got these huge forests and everything, you know, and and they're cutting them down. and, And they need them. They need the oxygen in the air. And yeah. um, it's a lot, it's very difficult. As American, that awful Mr. Trump. And <laughs> Well,
0: thank God he's out of God office. He, thank
1: goodness he's gone, but uh-huh. we don't know what Mr. Biden's going to do. But I'm um, assuming he'll do a lot better than Trump.
0: Definitely, yeah.
1: Um, here in this country, we've got the most awful prime minister we've ever had, <laughs> I think. Bojo. Um, he, he looks as though he's absolutely bored with the job and can't deal with it. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, people are, it's strange, it's a strange world, and it's so much is to do with money. In fact, all these problems are mostly to do with money.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: but then on the other hand, you find so many people appealing to charities, charities that touch them and feel they really must donate to this and that, and people are being very, very kind. yeah. From that point of view I think I think we've changed a lot. Um, in that we're understanding what other people are going through and trying to make it better for them. So it might be a better world, darling. I do hope so.
0: I hope so too, Nan. Um, and um,
1: for people like yourself, you know.
0: But also for people like you, never caused I mean any harm
1: to anybody and just want to get on with your life. That's what I want for you.
0: Thanks, Nan. And also for people like you. I mean, you're turning 90 in exactly a month's time. That's such a huge, huge, huge uh, milestone, Nan. And um, your 10th decade of life should also be a good one, you know. Um, what? What, My what? Your tenth decade of life, you know. You also deserve to have a good one, you know. Um, so, what do you want for yourself as you turn ninety? And would you say you're looking forward to this tenth decade?
1: But when I reach ninety. Yes. And <laughs> um, well, I, well, we can't look forward because we don't know what the future holds. <sighs> but what we can do is just hope to see that our children and grandchildren are having good lives and are likely to have good lives yeah. and that um, wars will stop um, and uh, that the climate will be all right. We, I just hope those sort of things will be there for my grandchildren and my children, my great-great-grandchildren mm-hmm. because um,
0: uh,
1: life is, is is very hard and... Um, today anyway
0: mm-hmm. it is well you know but, um, we should be able to get through with it you and
1: Bessie should be getting on very well together and where well, we you are, are and I hope that your life will be wonderful um, I
0: hope so too Nan thank you Well, you know
1: <laughs> you deserve it you're such a lovely couple and, oh. and I'm so proud of you as my granddaughter because you're such a per- lovely person
0: thanks Nan and
1: and I always will be.
0: I'm so proud of you, as my grandmother. You're the most amazing person that that I know. And I still can't beat you at a game of Scrabble. And <laughs> <laughs> by the way, everyone, you can never beat my nan at Scrabble. Well, that's, you just that's can't. A
1: party Scrabble, and it's much more complicated.
0: Yeah, we do need I to learn how to play that. It might us a
1: while to get into that. Yeah,
0: I I think so too. <laughs> but what are you up to for the rest of the day, Nan?
1: For the rest of the day, yeah. look, darling, you know, it's it's too cold to go out, the snow, and um, although Caroline said she went out this morning, and, and it wasn't, it was patchy, but they said it was going to be icy, and she said, don't go out, mommy, she said, and, and, and Lena's phoning you at three o'clock, and I said, well, you know, I, I don't think I want to, because it's it's bitterly cold, it's about seven degrees, Whoa. Oh, whoa.
0: Whoa, <laughs> it, whoa, whoa, But
1: it's going to be brighter tomorrow. They said going to be sunshine tomorrow. Oh, that's Very good, weather.
0: But Nan, you're a trooper, it's man. Fine, you should be able scary. to troop through the bad weather. I mean, you're the one who told me we've got that Viking blood in us, so... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, That is quite anyway, interesting. Um, when shall I see you again? <laughs>
0: so, um... I don't know. Maybe I'll come for your 90th. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to oh, wait no, and don't see.
1: Don't a special journey, darling. It's too for the most expensive special person
0: one. in my life, it's I will. Too,
1: it's too stressful for you, It's you know? Man,
0: nah, it's not too stressful better. for me to come and spend time with you. Um, I'm Never. sure they'll be taking photographs
1: and things and you'll get some impression. I don't, I don't know what's happening. I mean, it was Caroline's birthday yesterday. Yep. And um, there was only me there. Mm-hmm. Um, because nobody else could could come, because we're not allowed to have people in the house, you see. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, it's awful. I
1: just got there on, on the excuse that she's my carer.
0: Which she is, but though, so, But yeah. and
1: Sasha couldn't come,
0: mm.
1: and um, mind you, the weather wasn't very good anyway. But, um, well, we, we had a cake, we had a birthday cake, and, um, you know, some, um, oh, what's that? Graham Rich, is it something? Graham Bag. Graham, some wine. I didn't have it graham Beck it. For a graham bag, Roseca. We celebrated as much as possible. And um, I left her about seven o'clock. I got there about two or so in the afternoon. And or was it twelve? No, it was twelve. I left her quarter to twelve.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, yes, and um, we had a nice lunch, which she had cooked. And um, so it, it went off all right you know, and several people sent her cards and messages. And, oh, lady, I saw those beautiful flowers you, you gave her. They're up on the table there. And yeah. They look stunning.
0: Oh, I'm glad. I'm so glad.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, so glad. That was the first thing she showed me when I got in. She said, look at these flowers that Leila sent me. <laughs> <laughs> no, please so I'm
0: glad, now. They
1: are really nice. They'll last a long time.
0: Yeah, and Auntie likes tulips and lilies, if I'm correct. So, So, yeah. What, darling? No, I said an auntie. She likes tulips and lilies, so...
1: Oh, tulip, yes, yeah. yes.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: it's funny because they, when she put them in water with that, there's a little packet of something they give you yeah. t- to add to the water. They, they bloomed as soon as she put that in.
0: It wow. It extraordinary. They came out,
1: you know, wow. much more. <laughs> and they looked lovely when I saw them on the table there by the window. That's amazing. It's so nice. Not having to look at the snow.
0: (laughs) Honestly, Nan, I have to say, I'm I'm glad I left before the horrible weather started.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yes, I'm sure. Absolutely, it's bad enough while you were here with the pandemic thing as well yep tier 5 yeah, it's a shame we couldn't have got together more we could have had some fun couldn't we we really could
0: have got and you could have you could have had, whooped uh, you know, me at Scrabble easy to
1: get around mm-hmm. that, that's the way it's been and like I've told you about the war how it was then
0: <laughs> would you say though Nan <laughs> that bad, but, uh, what would you say that, you know, was worse it's
1: restrictions and you have to do it for the sake of everybody else you know
0: what would you say was worse, though, Nan, living through World War Two, or living through the pandemic now, in terms of the scale of death and loss um, that we're seeing?
1: Well, I think I would say just as bad, because we just don't know, and the people that are passing. Um, they're, some of them are so young, you know? Yeah. And um, it's absolutely heartbreaking for their families. Um, and they haven't really, well, as I say, they have got this vaccine, but and we have to know that it's actually working. Not to say, yes, you have the vaccine, you'll be fine, but you can still carry the thing around to other people. That's the worrying thing about it. And they do say now that, that, we're all always going to have to deal with it, and always have to take vaccine for it. So that's not a good thing to think about. But the war, well, was a war, yeah. And you, you have to use some are good, some are bad, some are not too bad at all. But it was a nasty war, it really was. But um, I don't know. We had, uh, you know, everybody sort of got together and we looked after one another whether they were neighbors and people we didn't know but but it it was a it was a general thing and everybody was kind to one another and did what they could and put them in shelters and all sorts of things it was it was strange but uh, i can't say it was um better than this business we're going through now i don't think it was i think um it was worse, because yeah, yeah. it went on for so many years. <laughs> but um, yeah. anyway, that's that's life, darling.
0: What an adventurous life you've had, you know. Um, nine decades and every decade has brought something new. Um, and oh, honestly, yeah. Nan, I'm, I'm just so glad that, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, the best part of it was getting to Nigeria, you see.
0: If not, I wouldn't have been <laughs> I born. I loved
1: it. I wanted to see Africa.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's amazing, I Nan. Was so
1: lucky. Gran- my lovely grandsons, granddaughters, everybody.
0: And you were so brave, Nan, to have taken that decision, you know, at the age of 22, 23, um, to say, yeah, I am going to get on yes. a plane and I'm going to head to Kano and then Kaduna, um, somewhere I've never been before. You know, that's, that's yes. bravery. Yes.
1: Well, I didn't know where I was going to be sent. It was just to Africa, you see. (laughs) It was a year before African independence. Wow. Yes, a long time ago.
0: I'm sure um, you remember independence, uh, though, in Nigeria.
1: Yes, it was. But Kaduna was lovely. It was lovely. Have you ever been to Kaduna?
0: I haven't. I really, really want to visit. I I haven't been. The furthest up north I've been is Abuja, Um, I really haven't explored the North. I need to. I have to.
1: Well, yes, I I found it a lovely place. But, of course, it's no longer the capital. But also in the North, they're having problems, aren't they?
0: Yeah, insecurity and insurgency. So
1: so I wouldn't go too far if I were you. (laughs) I'd think of badness far enough. (laughs) But it's up to you, darling. I want you to have a good life. And an interesting one. And well you are and you're doing so well.
0: Thanks, I no. Mean,
1: fabulously well. I want that to continue and I mean you've made a name for yourself. It's wonderful. People recognize you. Absolutely lovely. Oh.
0: <laughs>
1: I wanna daughter. hug you.
0: <laughs> I wanna give you a big, big, oh. big hug. This has been an amazing uh, convo, Nan. Well,
1: Let's hope next time you're able to come yep you know no pandemic we'll be able to get about a bit more
0: (laughs) well i'm sure the next time i come is still going to be in the middle of this madness but but let's pray that this time next year um we're out of it
1: exactly yeah exactly let's hope it is yeah let's hope they get rid of it or they find some kind of oh my goodness me yeah we'll see anyway but I look forward to that.
0: Love you Even so nabby, much. Even though
1: I'd be going on to 91.
0: <laughs> yes, you will. You will.
1: Oh, my goodness. You sure
0: will. And you know, oh, it's, it's so lovely
1: to speak. You're so sweet.
0: You're so sweet, Nan. Yeah. You know, you, I'm, 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 I'm oh, just darling. so. Pr- I was saying you're just so sweet. I'm just so proud of you all the time. The fact that you're 90, you still do everything for yourself. Um, you're still so. With yourself, you know what I mean. Um, you're you're amazing, Nan. You're phenomenal, and I hope you recognize that. Nan, I cannot thank you enough um, for your time today and having this conversation with me on the podcast. Honestly, thank you oh, from no. the bottom of my heart.
1: My goodness me, it's the least I can do. <laughs> And what is a podcast anyway? <laughs> so,
0: essentially, a podcast is like um, it's like digital radio. Um, I'll explain it to you better, and I'm sure Auntie Caroline also said as well that she's going to show it to you on Thursday. Then you can then you can see. Um, oh really?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so
0: beautiful.
1: Oh yeah. my goodness! Oh, my yeah. darling. So are you? Great big hug from me.
0: Big big hugs, Nan. I love you so much. Love you. Bye. Bye, Nan. I'll give you a call later.